What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. Now, normally this is the part of the show where I'd be saying, you know, Boochcast returns part two, and this is where we get into the Wednesday Night Wars. But as you guys already know by this point, the Wednesday Night Wars are officially over because NXT no longer airs on Wednesday nights. Because USA is starting to air, like, NHL hockey for whatever fucking reason, uh, they have now moved NXT to Tuesday nights. So, therefore, we no longer uh, feel obligated to put 
NXT and AEW on the same track because we're trying to do this thing now where we want to get the episodes out as fast as possible. So going forward, NXT and AEW will be recapped on separate tracks. Elvis Delinsky and Desmond Dagenhart will be handling AEW. Myself and Mr. John Tumblin will be handling NXT. Now, sadly, John is not with me this week for NXT because he is currently in the process of closing on his new home. Uh, as you know, him and his fiance are now uh, transitioning from moving out of their old house into a new house, which has caused a lot of shifts in the schedules of everything we've been doing here on the Boochcast. Um, I mean, not just them, but uh, it's it's been a major component. Obviously, you know, we've all had things going on in our lives that we've, and we've, that's caused us to reschedule some things, but uh, John and his fiance moving are a bit was a big component of that. So John was not able to join me this week. However, he will be back next week, and we will be able to uh, entertain you guys with some NXT. So this week's going to be me riding solo. Now, I know we said we get these out as quick as possible, so I'm very late to the party on bringing out NXT, but I don't worry about it too much because I know even though uh, we want to get the information out as quick as possible so people can hear what's going on, we also know that we have loyal Boochcast fans out there, and you guys are willing to wait. God knows you've been willing to wait. Hell, we've been on a winter break. But we know you guys are willing to wait because you're eager to know how we feel about what's going on in the world of wrestling. But this week has been the busiest week for me to the point where I have been booked solid all week. I have been working, filming, editing. Even at the time I'm recording this podcast, I have to finish this. I have to go to a D&D session then I ha- with Desmond. Then I have to go uh, edit some videos. Then I got to record a bunch of other things. I am I am a workhorse this week, ladies and gentlemen. I recently did a, I had a comedy show. I'll talk more about that. I had a going live show. I'll talk more about that on Monday's show. I'm going to save all that for then because I only want to talk about NXT here. However, I will say that the reason that NXT is coming out late is because of the hectic schedule that I've had. The reason AEW hasn't come out yet is because apparently Elvis and Desmond kind of dropped the ball a little bit, but uh, they did say that they would have it out before Monday, so you will know uh, their thoughts on AEW. The AEW recap will be coming, but just know AEW is their fault. If AEW ever comes out late, blame Elvis Delinsky and Desmond Dagenhart. It is 100% their fault. Now, if NXT doesn't come out on time, uh, chances are that's my fault and John's fault. We'll, we'll take the blame for NXT, but AEW is no longer my responsibility on the Boochcast. With the exception of the AEW pay-per-views, I don't touch AEW anymore, so it is their problem, not mine. So I just wanted to uh, clarify those things before I get into the recap and apologize for the tardiness of NXT, but it was definitely worth the wait for me because it was one hell of a great show as we open things up with Kyle O'Reilly, who is fresh off his win over Adam Cole at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Night 2, which uh, Elvis Linsky and John Tumblin shout out to them for doing a great job on that episode. So, Kyle O'Reilly comes out to start the show. He says at TakeOver, he faced one of his toughest challenges. He says he's in a great mood right now because he's not around Adam Cole anymore. Cole is behind him now, and it's time to move on. What is next for KOR? To succeed here, he has to have that killer instinct, and he's found it. He's got to be willing to go through those extremes, but what are his goals? Does he continue to prove that he is the guy here? Does he challenge for the North American title, or does he take care of of Carrion Cross. He begins to call him out before Cameron Grimes 
makes his way to the ring. He came out to say congrats. He said he made a killing on DraftKings betting on him. He sees him as a big dog, and he thought if he needed someone to invest in him, and that could be Cameron Grimes. Some of the crowds behind it, and Grimes notes it. NFTs and KO coins are pitched. KOR says he loves it. He's a genius, and that they're going to go to the moon. KOR notes that he's officially clear to compete. He's looking around, uh, cleans his shades, and then slugs Cameron Grimes and basically says he wants a match with Cameron Grimes. Now, the one thing I'm going to point out here is the fact that for some fucked up reason that I have yet to comprehend, Kyle O'Reilly comes out here dressed like Orange Cassidy. And I have no idea why. Like, literally, uh, everyone on the internet's calling him Grapefruit O'Reilly. And if he continues to dress like this, that's what we're going to start calling him here on the Boochcast. Grapefruit O'Reilly, if that is the case. But uh, I don't know why he dressed like Orange Cassidy. I do know it wasn't an Orange Cassidy um, parody because at no point did he put his hands in his pockets. He didn't give a thumbs up. And unlike Orange Cassidy, Kyle O'Reilly can actually cut a fucking promo. So it was uh, interesting to see that uh, that dynamic. And I'm not going to lie, though. A part of me would have liked to have seen Cameron Grimes align himself with Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, especially since Cameron Grimes is doing so great with this gimmick. And, you know, if if they're planning on making Cameron Grimes more of a manager, uh, that would be the perfect way to do it. But um, personally, I think he needs to go like a Ted DiBiase route and be like a wrestler slash manager where he still kind of competes in the ring, but every now and but he's got like a stable with him. And from time to time, he manages the people in his stable as well as wrestles in the ring. I think that would be a great uh, move for uh, Cameron Grimes. But either way, I love this. I love that Kyle O'Reilly is being taken seriously. He has definitely earned the right to be taken seriously. And Adam Cole is apparently behind him now. So it looks like this rivalry is dead, and it needs to be. But now the big question is, what happens to Adam Cole? Does he come back to NXT, or are they going to call him up to the main roster? Because right now, Adam Cole is either uh, reality or kayfabe, I think it's kayfabe, uh, out with an injury because he was carried on a stretcher. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. As much as I enjoy seeing Adam Cole in NXT, what is left for him to do? He's done it all. He's held every title. He's main-evented takeovers. He's proven himself to be the Iron Man. And he just put over Kyle O'Reilly in massive fashion. So my thing is, it's time for Adam Cole to move on. It's time for him to go to Raw. It's time for him to go to SmackDown. In fact, if I had to make a choice, I'd send him to SmackDown for two reasons. One, SmackDown is a better opportunity for wrestlers because in Raw, you get lost in the sauce and they don't know what they're doing over there. And also because... Pat McAfee is now on the SmackDown commentary team. I don't know why they're wasting him there, but he is. So that would be a great way to potentially have a Adam Cole, Pat McAfee reunion. Or if Adam Cole's going to be a heel, maybe have the two of them form an alliance. They form some kind of a, you know, unlikely pair or something. Or if they get in a rivalry, it could be where Adam Cole is the heel and Pat McAfee could be uh, the babyface. Even though I think Pat McAfee works way better as a heel, he might be able to pull off a baby face. I don't know. But either way, I think Adam Cole needs to move on. There's nothing left for him to do in NXT. I think he would just be spinning his wheels and doing the same old shit, and it would just get annoying after a while. I think the NXT crowd is going to get tired of it. Uh, they're not tired of it now, but I think if he stays in NXT too long, he's going to fizzle out. 
it, it's inevitable. But anyway, we cut to uh, Saray, who is shown entering the building, and Zoe Stark stops her and William Regal to request a match against the debuting Saray. Regal makes it official and sets the match. The two competitors shake hands. So obviously we've been seeing a lot of uh, interesting things from Zoe Starks. And obviously the previous week, uh, they did a big advertisement for Saray. And, um, you know, obviously when I see her, my first thought is, oh, great, another Japanese wrestler. Because um, obviously my big concern is, uh, is she going to do a bunch of strong style bullshit? Uh, is she going to speak Japanese and know English? Uh, is it is it just gonna is, is it gonna be like the same as every other Japanese wrestler that's come in that I have found to be incredibly annoying? I know a lot of people love Japanese wrestlers and Japanese wrestling. I have tried to watch it. I just can't get behind it. But I'm not going to count Saray out just yet, you know? I'm going to give her time to develop on TV. I'm going to see where her gimmick goes. I'm going to see how she wrestles, how she carries herself, and I'll make my final assessment later. But the fact that almost every Japanese wrestler that has come into WWE I have not been a fan of recently and... You know, now Saray's coming in. It's I, I'm not optimistic, but I'm going to try to be. And on that note, we cut to the next segment. We have L.A. Knight cutting a promo on Dexter Loomis, and that bout is next. Loved the promo from L.A. Knight. I love that he is getting into his own and allowing him, and they're allowing him to be himself. I love how he starts every promo with, let me talk to you. And he's talking about the dummies. Dummies here, dummies there, dummies everywhere. Yeah. L.A. Knight can do no wrong in my eyes. He really can't. This guy hits home run after home run after home run after home run on TV. And you, you give L.A. Knight a microphone, magic is going to happen on NXT. So I enjoyed the promo from LA Knight. It was stellar. It was perfect. And he is taking advantage of all the TV time that he is getting. And on that note, we move on to our first official match of the evening. We have LA Knight versus Dexter Loomis. I loved this match with all my heart and soul. Not just because LA Knight was in it, but because it was a match that shows that wrestling can still be done right in 2021. A This was a wrestling match that looked believable. It was an old school match. The pacing was old school. The delivery was old school. There's one uh, high spot in the whole match when um you know Dexter when Dexter Loomis gets distracted by Indy Hartwell who because they're clearly got some kind of attraction going on and then L.A. Knight attacks him from behind by jumping over the top rope and kind of doing like a single axe handle boom to the back and then throws him in the ring and then hits his neck breaker finisher and gets the one two three the winner of the match L.A. Knight and I love the fact that L.A. Knight got the win. I, I was really, really scared they were going to give it to Dexter Loomis because it pissed me off when he lost the Gauntlet Eliminator. I was livid. Y'all remember? Uh, I was not I was not excited after that because I was worried they were going to not give L.A. Knight the proper push that he deserves. But obviously I spoke too soon, and, you know, sometimes I can be guilty of that. Um, but they gave him the win. They're giving him the push. They're giving him the spotlight, and it's exactly what you need to do. I love Dexter Loomis, but he does not need an undefeated streak. He doesn't, okay? This is perfect. What they're doing right now is perfect. And L.A. Knight is getting the respect that he deserves. He's getting the great push. He can work. He doesn't have to do any stupid shit. 
There was no circus spot monkey crap. This was wrestling done right. And I'm glad to see that is the case in 2021 because we see so many people who just don't have psychology and just stink up the ring with their spot monkey bullshit. And that's not an insult. That is just a fact of life. So, of course, after the match, Indy gets on the apron as Loomis approaches her for an apparent kiss. It looks like we're about to see a kiss between them. But then Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano pull her off the apron and take her to the back. So it was like a good teasing moment. So apparently uh, they're going to drag this out. Now, whether this happens on NXT TV or at the next TakeOver, I think they're probably... I would save it for the TakeOver if they can. And that is a Loomis, Indy Hartwell kiss in the middle of the ring. I think they need to drag it out to that point. And I may bring this up again when I talk to John just to get his thoughts. So next, uh, we see Leon Ruff is fired up against uh, Swerve Scott. He says it's his move. He's calling him out. And, um, you know, I'll be honest, uh, I'm still not behind Leon Ruff. I still could give two shits about him. But uh, the promo was exciting. So there's at least that. So next, we get to Beth Phoenix, who is with Io Shirai in the back. They're being interviewed. Uh, She takes her back to take over In Your House. She says that was the biggest night of her life, definitely. Uh, Beth then talks about Stand and Deliver. She shows the boot and the powerbomb by Raquel and just the brutality that Raquel dished out uh, to Io Shirai. And then shows her the pinfall. Io says Raquel was her biggest and toughest challenge. She will get her rematch. And they ask what's next for her, and she says rest. And then in comes Frankie Monet with her pooch. She came in to congratulate Io on an amazing reign. Monet says she'd be willing to fill her shoes at the top of the NXT Women's Division. EO starts trash-talking her in Japanese, which I fucking hate, before saying she likes cats. And Frankie seems a touch miffed. Now, because we did not recap last week's NXT, uh, I do have to say this real quick before I talk about uh, this interview. There's a few things I need to discuss here. First, for those of you who may not know, if you are not familiar, Frankie Monet is none other than Taya Valkyrie, who made a name for herself in Lucha Underground and Impact Wrestling, as well as been a star on UCW wrestling shows. I've had the honor of, uh, you know, being a chauffeur for Taya Valkyrie. I've driven her to gigs and stuff, you know, to wrestling shows. We've traveled together. Um, you know, I got a chance to talk to her, hang out with her. She's a great person. Uh, and she is definitely a badass wrestler, and some people aren't really big fans of her gimmick. I will admit this is a bit of a a change for her, but she's making it work. Her outfit is really hot. I could not stop staring at her tits. I'm sorry if that makes me a bad person. I'm sorry. I'm a straight, heterosexual male. I like titties. Plus, I already pointed out that she's a great wrestler, so it's not like I only like her because she's hot. She's also an incredible wrestler. And I look forward to her showcasing that when she finally gets in the ring and wrestles. Because I know she can do it. But with her gimmick, they might drag that out. Which is fine. Because when she finally gets that opportunity to show what she can do in the ring, anyone who's not liking her gimmick right now, they will become believers. I guarantee it. So, I love that. Also, uh, I like the fact that Io Shirai uh, spoke English in this interview. So I can understand what the fuck she was saying. 
Um, obviously, you know, I love seeing Raquel win that NXT Women's title. Some people wish somebody else could have beat her for the belt. I thought it was great. I also love the fact that last week when they had Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair come out and the three of them kind of embraced like that was great because it showed the three of them kind of came up in NXT together and now the three of them run the division because Rhea Ripley's the Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair is the SmackDown Women's Champion, and Raquel Gonzalez is now the NXT Women's Champion. So this is a fantastic uh, moment for NXT. And Raquel Gonzalez is a badass, so who else on that roster could take that belt from uh, Io Shirai at this point? Because everybody else either got called up or got their ass kicked. So it made sense. And I also like the fact that Io Shirai said rest because it does two things. One, it takes her off TV, which they need to do because she's been – uh, she was champ for three hundred over th- almost 300 days, which is way too fucking long, and I don't know why they keep doing this with people. Uh, it's one thing if you're trying to really build a star, but build a star that's actually going to be a fucking star because Io Shirai, a star she is not. And also, I like the fact that it's going to, you know, sell the fact that she got injured by Raquel Gonzalez. Plus, she was defending her title for 300-plus days. She does need a rest. She does get a rematch. And when she does get a rematch, if she's if she's refreshed and recharged, then it's believable that she could win. Because she rushes to get back in that ring, and we know that she's still feeling the effects of that match, then we pretty much know Raquel's going to win. You want to create doubt in order to get people to invest in your match. That's key. And on that note, we move on to the second match of the evening. We got some tag team action. Brizongo versus the Grizzled Young veterans this was a great tag team match both these teams know how to work both these teams know how to do tag team wrestling so i expected nothing less than perfection from these teams and we got that it was a great match great great you know pacing uh very very well done uh everything was timed perfectly and of course the grizzled young vets uh, hit their finisher, the the vaulting double team face buster. They get the one, two, three, and they win the match. I think it's like something to mayhem, uh, map to mayhem or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but I know that it's a hell of a devastating move. Very, very believable. And as much as I like Brizongo, I'm glad the Grizzled Young Vets got the win because they definitely need to move up the tag team ranks. And a lot of people are saying that they, you know, should be on the road to proving they're, they're deserving of a tag team title shot. I still maintain they should be the tag team champions right now. And the fact that MSK has it is fucking disgusting. But uh, either way, the Grizzled Young Vets got a good win here. Brizongo, I like them. But, you know, they, they've, they've been the tag team champions and they haven't really done much lately. Plus, they lost to... Uh, Killian Dane and Drake Maverick recently, so they've kind of been sitting at the back of the line. And on that note, we cut backstage to Indy Hartwell, who's about to have an interview that she requested, but Gargano and LeRae stop her. In comes Bronson Reed to get them flacked for that, but Austin Theory wants to fight Reed in the ring tonight. And basically, uh, Bronson Reed wants a shot at Gargano, but Austin Theory said the only way he, uh, Bronson Reed can get that shot is if he can beat Austin Theory in a match. So now they're about to set the match. Which I love, because obviously Johnny Gargano doesn't like it, because he doesn't want to wrestle Bronson Reed again. But it shows the arrogance of Austin Theory, because he's like, oh, no, 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 I got this. I got this. I can beat him. And Johnny's kind of sitting there going, no, you can't. He's not saying that, but his facial expression is saying that. Which is good, because then that can create potential breakup in the team. Because either Johnny will kick him out for not beating him, or Austin will quit, because Johnny basically said, you can't beat him. It's like, look, I just beat him. 
you apparently doubted me. Fuck you, I don't need the way. Then we cut to um, Cameron Grimes, who is not too pleased with Kyle O'Reilly. And he has a Jamorant NBA NFT, but then realizes that Ted DiBiase bought it. As soon as I heard that, I immediately busted out laughing. Because just earlier on this podcast and during night one of Stand and Deliver, I talked about how Cameron Grimes' gimmick was compared to Ted DiBiase, or they could do it like Ted DiBiase. So to hear that DiBiase bought something out from underneath Cameron Grimes is great. I I, I personally would have liked to see if uh, Ted DiBiase could have made an appearance on the show, um, but I guess they'd probably save that for, a t- for another takeover or something. But either way, it was a great segment. It made me laugh personally, and... I still I love what they're doing with Cameron Grimes. I look forward to seeing more from him. And then we move on to the next match of the evening. We got some ladies action. Zoe Stark versus Saray. Again, great wrestling. Uh, that's one thing I love about NXT is uh, the majority of the time I'm watching great wrestling. Don't get me wrong. There have been times where NXT has had some shitty matches. But that doesn't happen often. So, and after a year of watching AEW and, like I said, digging through a bunch of crap before I find a treasure, it's nice to see consistent, good matches on a wrestling show. It's been a long time since I've seen that. And these ladies did it all in this match. They gave it their all. It was great chemistry. Sarai was doing a lot of moves, but she wasn't doing any strong style bullshit. She wasn't no-selling. She was... You know, apparently they did some type of special type of Japanese wrestling that was kind of, you know, westernized a little bit. So it kind of had a blend of the two. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what they called that particular wrestling style. But whatever it is, I love it. Because Saray definitely has a good, unique blend about her. She found a happy middle ground and doesn't act like all the other fucking, you know, Japanese wrestlers that do strong style shit and don't sell and can't cut promos. But then again, I don't know how well Saray is with a promo. I haven't seen a microphone in her hand. But so far from a wrestling standpoint, I liked what I saw. I saw a match. And Zoe Stark, who is still kind of a rookie, is showing that she can hold her own in a ring and is definitely showing that um, she is going to be a future star in this women's division. She is a very strong, what they call a blue-chip prospect. And then, of course, uh, uh, Saray hits a spinning heel kick and exploder suplex, gets the one, two, three. Saray wins. After the match, her and Zoe Stark embrace in the ring. Uh, you know, they kind of do the sportsmanship thing, which is good because there's always that moment where you think uh, Zoe might be turning heel, but obviously she can't because there's already a heel attacking her by the name of that ass, Tony Storm comes out and attacks Stark on the outside, just beats her to death. Saray eventually uh, tries to make the save, and Tony Storm kind of runs for the hills, which is perfect for her to do. Great thing for her gimmick. And we just basically see Saray checking on Zoe Stark, which tells me they're going to form some kind of alliance, and Saray's going to watch her back as Zoe Stark starts this feud with Tony Storm, which is great because we're going to see more women's action, and the women in NXT are phenomenal wrestlers. They're the best women's division in the world, hands down. So to have the women be more showcased is awesome on this program. And next, we cut to uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez backstage. Uh, Gonzalez says she was impressed with Io's reign, but she aims to do one better. Dakota Kai is smarmy, and Raquel says she'll take out the women's locker room one by one if they want to step up to her. And then they go to break. 
So I like the fact that Dakota Kai is still kind of teaming up with Raquel Gonzalez. I think Dakota is going to be like her manager for a while. But I can't help but feel like at some point there's going to be a split. Because I feel like one of two things is going to happen. Either A, Raquel Gonzalez is going to beat everybody on the roster. And then Dakota is going to turn on her to get the title from her. Or B, Dakota is going to get jealous of Raquel and just attack her one day out of nowhere. Because obviously... You know, last week when Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair came out, they all embraced. I can't help but think, like, maybe Dakota Kai might get jealous of that. Even though Raquel did thank Dakota Kai in her uh, victory celebration speech last week, um, I can't help but feel like there's going to be some type of jealousy that splits this team up. Uh, I could be wrong, but I rarely am. And then next, we cut to Candice LeRae, who tries to make Indy less boy crazy as she searches for Shotzi and Ember Moon. They find her. Uh, however, Candice notices Indy is not behind her because she went to this other room to look for them. Uh, she flips coffee in Ember's face but gets cornered in the locker room as the door shuts. Now, because Candice LeRae flipped the coffee, that makes sense. At the same time, it is weird for me to see baby faces just beat down on one heel in a two-on-one assault. It, it, it's awkward for me. Like, baby faces aren't supposed to do that kind of stuff, usually. So, uh, I did think that was kind of weird. Uh, I don't know if that was scripted properly. But either way, um, like I said, it was just weird. I, I don't hate it. I don't like it. It was just weird. You know, baby faces really shouldn't be doing that, you know. I can understand she flipped the coffee and Ember Moon just whooped her ass. And, uh, you know, Shotzi just kind of cheered her on. I think would have been a lot better. Because, you know, baby faces aren't supposed to do two-on-one assaults unless you're coming out for revenge after you just got the shit beat out of you royally every week. But uh, next, we have Kushida coming out, who wants to give an open challenge for his Cruiserweight title, and then out comes Oni Lorcan. Now, before I get into this match, I do have to talk about this. I loved Santos Escobar winning that ladder match against Jordan Devlin. I thought that match was very well done. Uh, you know, never mind the fact that the two cohorts didn't get the tag belts, doesn't matter. It was still a phenomenal ladder match. Santos Escobar is a great champion, a great wrestler. He was making the NXT Cruiserweight title relevant, which is something that hasn't been done since Enzo Amore, and they give it to fucking Kushida. I want to know who booked this idea so I can smack them in the face repeatedly with a fucking tire iron, because that makes no fucking sense. Kushida gets his ass kicked by Pete Dunne, on a takeover, and his reward is to win the NXT Championship in an open challenge on the NXT episode following Stand and Deliver. You pretty much just took a big giant shit all over the ladder match that we saw. That ladder match is now meaningless. It don't mean shit, because you just destroyed it by giving it to a guy who has no charisma and does the same Strong style bullshit that I've been preaching about this whole fucking episode. This is where goddamn ridiculous. And then we cut to that match of the evening. Kushida versus Oni Lorcan. Now, from a wrestling standpoint, it was great. But because Kushida is still the Cruiserweight Champion, I can't enjoy it. I thought it was stupid. To give Kushida the Cruiserweight title is fucking retarded. This was dumb as fuck. And it, this is this is the one thing about NXT I'm going to bitch about because it was fucking stupid. Just because I love NXT doesn't mean I love everything they do. And that was fucking stupid. The match itself with him and Oni Lorcan was great. I don't blame him. Oni Lorcan had a great match. Obviously, Kushida's going to win because now they're trying to give him this push that nobody wants to fucking see. Kushida celebrates but then gets attacked by Legato Del Fantasma. Escobar joins in as Kushida's getting further beat down. Then MSK comes in for the save. And all three men clear house. Waste of fucking time. That's what this match was. Waste 
a fucking time. Done talking about it. So anyway, we cut to Mercedes Martinez, who makes her claim for Raquel Gonzalez's title. But she said, first, she's going to shut up Dakota Kai. All right, I'm going to say this right now. I love that Mercedes Martinez is back in NXT. I like that she uh, got her money last week from the uh, Robert Stone brand and has pretty much severed all ties with them, so she's done with that shit. She's branching out on her own. She's great with promos. She has a great look, and I want to see her be the NXT Women's Champion, but not yet. They cannot rush this. Now, I'm assuming, I'm going to assume, that the next TakeOver is in August, right around SummerSlam. I doubt there's going to be another one anytime soon. Before Raquel and Mercedes lock up, Raquel has to dominate. She needs to start having title matches on TV. And she needs to decimate everybody one by one by damn one. Every single person. Minus Dakota Kai and Io Shirai. Hell, maybe even Io Shirai comes back for the rematch and Raquel beats her ass too. I'd be fine with that. Mercedes needs to be the one person that Raquel doesn't beat. Raquel needs to dominate, destroy, lay waste to the whole division, and then Mercedes takes it from her. Because right now on this roster, I don't see a single woman other than Mercedes Martinez that looks believable in beating Raquel for the women's title without cheating. There's only two people that should take that belt off of Raquel Gonzalez, and that's either Mercedes Martinez or Dakota Kai. Mercedes, by whooping her ass, Dakota Kai from doing heel shit and cheating. Hell, if she turns on her and aligns with Mercedes Martinez, that'd be fucking awesome. I would enjoy that. And on that note, we have the Gargano family who sees a beaten up and sulking Candice, but Indy comes in to reveal that she and Candice have a tag team title shot. So now we know they're going to compete for the NXT Women's Tag Team Titles. I doubt they're going to win them, but either way, they seem happy about that. Um, I feel like this is all going to lead to Indy Hartwell eventually leaving the way and forming an alliance with Dexter Loomis. But on that note, we move on to our next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Uh, we have Everrise versus Imperium. This was a squash and a waste of fucking time, and all it really did was promote some bullshit social media show that Everrise has that I doubt anybody fucking watches. This was a filler. That's all this was. Hey, uh, we only have a couple hours show. Uh, we don't want to go too low on time. Just have these guys go out there and do bullshit. And then eventually Killian Dane comes out and attacks Imperium. Drake Maverick comes out and blah, 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 blah. Then they hit their uppercut doomsday device on Parker for the win, and that's it. Then we go to the backstage area. We see Kyle O'Reilly stare down Karrion Cross before he walks out for his main event match, and we have our main event of the evening, Kyle O'Reilly versus Cameron Grimes. This match was so great that not only would I give it five stars, but I would also send it to the this was awesome. Both these guys laid it all on the line and proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are main event players. Both of them. These are two future NXT champions. No doubt about it. These guys killed each other in that ring and fucking delivered. Not only that, Cameron Grimes, despite the fact that he has a goofy gimmick, 
proved in this match that as goofy as his gimmick is, when the bell rings, he can whoop some ass. And that is what you have to show. That's why it doesn't matter what your gimmick is. As long as you can back it up in the ring, it doesn't matter how you look. All you got to do is make the moves you do, paint the picture with the gimmick, psychology-wise, and you can make it work. And that's what Cameron Grimes does. That's why I'm a fan. That's why John's a fan. That's why his fiance is a fan. This is a fantastic main event. They blended everything. They were matching each other move for move for move, but it was believable. That's the key. It was believable. They weren't just hot-shotting. They didn't do high spots. Let's take a high spots. Everything made sense. Everything looked great and crisp and perfect. These guys are amazing, both of them. And of course, in the end, Kyle O'Reilly hits a knee to the back from the top, the same way he did to Adam Cole, just without the chain, and gets the one, two, three, the winner of the match, Kyle O'Reilly. Now, Kyle O'Reilly deserved the win here. As much as I like Cameron Grimes, Kyle needed the win, and I like the fact that that's now his finisher. He, I don't, I can't remember if that was his finisher or not before, but he just the fact that he beat Adam Cole with it and put him on the shelf, that is now his finisher. That is how he needs to end every match that he wins. He needs to hit that only when it's the finish and only when it's the finish and he's beating the other guy. That is a finisher that Kyle O'Reilly needs to protect. He needs to protect this finisher at all costs because that is the only way he is truly going to get a push because he needs credibility as much as possible, especially for a man his size. I know that sounds mean, but that's the truth. When, you, when, you, when you're a small person like Kyle O'Reilly, you have to protect your finisher. You have to look strong. You have to establish that you can beat somebody with a move and that it takes a fucking miracle for them to kick out. You do not use this for false finishes. He can use any other move for a false finish. A super kick. A, a, a brain buster. Uh, whatever the fuck. But do not do that as a false finish. That knee to the back from the top rope. When he hits that move, the only thing that should come after that is a one, two, three. Nothing more and nothing less. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude this recap of NXT. I thank you guys so much for joining me here. And uh, make sure you uh, stay tuned. Uh, we'll have the uh, recap of AEW uh, coming out later this week. And, of course, next week we're going to have brand new tracks coming out. Brand new episode will be dropping. Myself and Elvis Delinsky will be coming back with a brand new episode. We'll also have another classic pay-per-view review. Uh, we'll have uh, the recap of next week's AEW. John Tumblin will be returning to NXT to join me, hopefully here in the studio. And, of course, Elvis and Desmond provided that they get back on the same page and get their shit together. They'll be able to deliver a recap of AEW on time. So, until next time, make sure you guys are following us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcast. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All at the Boochcast for the latest content. On Facebook, we have archived episodes of the show as well as other great content. My episode of Complain Time is dropping. I haven't done one in a while, uh, but you can check it out there. Also, make sure on Twitter you check out the latest tweets. On Instagram, check out the latest photos and videos. And, of course, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got the big episodes of Dark Side of the Ring is still coming out. This week we had the Brawl for All come out. 
We've had Jimmy Snuka and the death of Nancy Argentino. That came out. And this weekend, we are going to have the assassination of Dino Bravo is also coming out. It'll be coming out sometime tomorrow at the time or Saturday today at the time you're listening to this. Uh, I'm dropping this late Friday night. Some of you might be catching it on Saturday. But if you happen to be listening to this and it's on or after April 24th, the assassination of Dino Bravo is already up on the YouTube channel. So hit that subscribe button to get all the latest content. Ring the bell to be notified so you know when the content comes. Also, make sure you are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast where you can check out our watch parties and our D&D show, which will be coming. It's on the horizon. Just give us time. We may do some one-shots on there uh, from time to time to kind of entertain you guys beforehand, but we got a big-ass campaign that will be done, and we will be entertaining you guys with it. So keep tuning in keep following us we're gonna keep giving you guys great content and of course support the show through patreon go to patreon.com slash the boochcast we got great rewards for great patrons for as little as one dollar a month you can help contribute to the show help us keep it going and if you want to take advantage of some of the other great rewards we have feel free to do so as well your your generous donations help us keep the lights on helps me uh upgrade the equipment allows us to bring in big name guests it allows me to take care of uh, my guys who work on this show very, very hard. That's how they get paid. If you feel like they deserve to get paid, Patreon is how you can make that happen. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. I'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.